When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, as always, to The Blackout. We are coming to you from bellyupsports.com, and it's time for a Week 12 Pick'em Pod. He is Alan Denton. You can find him on Twitter, at AD on The Blackout. I'm Thomas Black, and you can find me at TB on The Blackout. Alan, welcome back in. How are you doing today? You know, I'm feeling really good in regards to the fact that I feel like my body's finally adjusted to um, it getting dark at, like, 2.30 in the afternoon, stuff like that. It at least is cold now, but I'm very, very beat up from this past weekend of picks. Maybe my worst ever. Definitely a rough weekend of picks for a lot of people. In our contest, there were some people who fared very, very well. So there's some to go every which way, but you and I were more on the similar end together, both with some rough slates. So Alan, we're going to start it in the ATS Pick'em as we always do. Your week 11 slate went with a three and seven record. Your wins were LSU minus two and a half, UCF plus two and a half, and TCU plus seven and a half. Your losses were Illinois minus six and a half, Wisconsin minus one and a half, Iowa State minus one and a half, Alabama minus 11 and a half, Baylor minus three and a half as a lock that did not stand up to my lock block. Alan, <laughs> your other losses were Wake Forest minus three and a half as an ATS lock and San Jose State minus two and a half. So after the three and seven week, how, sir, are you feeling? Oh, pretty horrendous, <laughs> in all honesty. That's as bad as you can get. I at least hit on that TCU game versus Texas. That was a pretty ugly game to watch. It was not great football. I mean, it was dramatic, but it wasn't great football. I thought Texas was going to win and had them in the confidence slate. Yeah, I think maybe seven or something like that. But I honestly thought this would be a seven-point game which is why I took TCU and thank the Lord I did. So at the very minimum, I at least got three, right? But looking back, obviously on the lock block, I was way, way, (laughs) way wrong, bro. And kudos to you. I know you're going to mention that and gloat and you should, you have every reason to, but my other lock, I really feel pretty good about still. I think it's pretty trash. That North Carolina ended up winning that game because Wake Forest was ahead 34-33 with four minutes left and is driving. They're driving down the field to score again and would have most likely covered at that point. Instead, the one turnover of the freaking game happens. Sam Hartman throws his one pick Literally the only turnover of the entire game happens. And then North Carolina drives down the field and kicks the field goal and wins the game outright and covers 
Whereas if Wake Forest just continued to do what they were doing, they would have ended up covering. That was really frustrating to watch and to even lose points on the confidence side. Yeah, that was a really rough one because I was on the same side and I can't blame you for feeling good about it. It was back and forth for a long time. I wasn't sure which team was going to find the cover in the long run, but late in the game, it did look like it was going to be Wake Forest. And you're right about the Sam Hartman thing. You had it predicted right. He was going to have a bounce back against this bad defense after not showing out well in his last two performances and after Wake Forest had 11 combined turnovers the previous two games they played much better against this North Carolina defense that was easy to predict and that one turnover it wasn't a bad throw it wasn't anything like that it's just he had a crossing route going one way and the defender undercuts the route going the exact opposite way you know it's not even the man defending the wide receiver on the play so from Sam Hartman's standpoint I don't think there's a way he could have seen that defender one bit running completely the opposite direction as his route runner was going so to me it's not even on him it's just a good place right place right time type situation from North Carolina and getting that pick and ultimately coming out with the win yeah I mean what are you gonna do Took the L, dropped way down much further and, you know, into the middle of the pack in regards to against the spread stuff. Your ATS locks on the week went 0-2. Alan, you dropped under 500 on the season with your locks. You're 10 and 12 on the season, hitting at over 45%. You're 48 and 61 overall against the spread, hitting at just over 44%. You're in 21st place and 13 points off the lead. So, Alan, I would say with what we have now left is three weeks in our regular season contest, I would say you're far enough back that I don't think there's any prizes coming out for you. Yeah, I'm dead and gone. I understand that, and that's okay. So I don't know that I'd be listening to my locks after the past couple. So I'm going to throw them out there, but, well, I mean – just take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> hey, you can take both of us with a grain of salt if you'd like, but we are going to try and rebound and have a good close to the season. I fared a little bit better in my ATS picks this past week. I went four and six, but the locks were where it was at. I took LSU minus two and a half. That was an ATS lock. I took Purdue plus six and a half. I had Kansas State plus three and a half as a successful, the first successful in the history of the blackout, lock block and TCU plus seven and a half, just as Allen did. My losses were Wisconsin minus one and a half, Iowa State minus one and a half, Alabama minus 11 and a half, Tulane minus two and a half, Wake Forest minus three and a half, and San Jose State minus two and a half. Allen, you told me to gloat. I will a little bit. Kansas State was absolutely the right side. I called it a 50-50 toss-up on the podcast last week. I said that I thought there was a decent chance either team could win. I thought it was a field goal game. Turns out the points weren't even needed in blowout fashion. It was Kansas State. I told you I like them more this season, and I like them even a little bit more than I did after this past week. So the Wildcats got it done for me with the lock block. And one of my other good plays that I had against the spread was Purdue plus six and a half. I just knew that though they were going up against a very good Illinois defense, that their offense, very different from much of what the Big Ten produces with that aired out attack, I knew that Purdue was going to be able to keep this game close. 
I wasn't positive it was going to be a one-score game, but I felt like that was much more likely than not. I thought that Purdue had a chance possibly to win this game, and that's kind of what convinced me to take Purdue plus the points. Turns out it was a great pick. I loved it as Purdue, I think, was clearly the better team than Illinois with that offensive attack, spreading out that defense, and they did just enough defensively, especially with the Chase Brown injury that happened with Illinois. Very unfortunate there, but certainly helped Purdue in getting the job done. Yeah, they were obviously the better team, and this was, I think, the worst Illinois' defense has played all year, and they made them look average. So Purdue is in a pretty good spot now to maybe jump back into that terrible Big Ten championship game. (laughs) Very much so. My ATS locks got a badly needed 2-0 week in week 11. That puts me at 9-13 on the season, hitting it a little over 40%. Overall in the contest, I'm 56 and 53, hitting at over 51% of all my ATS picks. I'm in a tie for fifth and five points back off the lead. So just as I was a week ago, I've got some work to do over the last few weeks, but I'm in a very good spot to be able to give myself an opportunity to top up into that top three, maybe even make a run at the top of the leaderboard if I have a good week or two left in my system. God bless you on your way to the top, my man. (laughs) We'll probably know a lot more after this next week, whether I have a legit chance or not. But, Alan, some other stats for the listeners. Our lock blocks now we have to notify people of. I am 1-0 on the season. Alan is 0-1. I don't know if we're going to have another one before the end of the season comes, but we will duke it out if that does happen. Our ATS locks went 2-2. Now on the season, we are 19-22 in that variety. That's if people have taken every pick. So, of course, if you lay out our records individually or combine them, our record's worse than that. But 19-22 and is the record people would have if they took all of our locks. That's hitting at over 46%. That's only 16th on the leaderboard if you hit at that percentage. So our percentage has dipped a good bit from the middle of the season, but we stabilized a little bit with a two and two week. And if we can hit some three and ones, or should we ever hit that elusive four and oh, I think we're going to be in a pretty good spot by the end of the year, Alan. Yeah, I would agree. I'll try to start carrying some weight again (laughs) after evidently taking a few weeks off. Well, you took a week off this past week. I had some weeks off before that. So we've just got to get the combined effort moving in the right direction once again. And we should be in a pretty good spot. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. As he has been much of the season, Alex is our leader. He is at 61 and 48 on the season. He only had four wins this past week in the ATS Pick'em. So now he only has a one game lead over second place, but his picks have hit at just about 56% on the season. Still remarkable what he's been able to do at the top of the leaderboard, but Alan, he is the one that everyone is chasing down. Yeah, kudos to that guy. I mean, Alex has done an incredible job. He's deserving of the crown because he's had a great year from start to finish. Much like the ATS Pick'em, the confidence Pick'em over on ESPN.com was ugly for both me and Alan. Alan, your record was 3-7 and seven with only 16 points. The wins were Alabama at a 10, LSU at a 4, and UCF at a 2. The losses were Illinois at a 9, Baylor at an 8 as a confidence value pick, Texas at a 7, San Jose State at a 6, Wisconsin at a five as a confidence value pick, Wake Forest at a three, and Iowa State at a one. So how are you feeling over on the confidence side? I'm sure you're lacking some as we head into week 12. It was like I was in war, man. I had my picks dropping like flies. And again, it was as bad as I ever 
remember feeling coming out of a week. At least this time Bama came through for me. I think they were the better team. They played pretty well. Had Illinois way, way, way too high. Nailed that UCF game at least at, at a two, especially when it was made clear that John Rice Plumley would be back for that one. That was the difference in my mind and the fact that they've played in some of these big-time games, whereas Tulane, they're not used to playing in those types of games. So I got that at a two. Really, really hurt Wisconsin just totally laying an egg. You know, in talking last week, I was like, Spencer Petrus is the one you got to worry about. He's been so turnover prone. And what happened? Freaking Wisconsin turns the ball over three times. Graham Mertz looks like he's never played quarterback before in his life, throwing for only 176 yards and two interceptions. You know, that's the difference in the game. Because of that, they were able to pull away in the fourth quarter. It was 14 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, and then Iowa finished it off. So just way wrong on a lot of things this past week. Well, there was a blocked punt in that Iowa game too as well, right? Yeah, there was. If I remember correct, when we were sitting here on the podcast, we said Wisconsin's the better team right now. They should win this game outside of a bunch of turnovers. I think your quote was maybe a blocked punt or some crap like that. And uh, what did we get? We got the crap like that in this game with <laughs> Iowa being outgained in this game. I think in regular down-to-down action, Wisconsin, I think, was the better team. It's just the highlight plays with the turnovers and the blocked punt went Iowa's way, as they so often do. But it bailed them out, I thought, in this one. Yeah. I mean, you got to give them credit. They pulled junk like this out of their butts all the time. And it's remarkable to me. They found a way to win even though they're trash on offense. Alan, the record for the season now is 68 and 41. You have 390 points. You're sitting in the 87th percentile and a tie for 16th and 26 points off the lead. So you're sitting in a spot now where you can't feel too good as far as competing for prizes, but you're really not all that far back, still sitting in the teens and a couple of good weeks could really shoot you up in the top 10 real quick. That's what I want at this point. Get back into the top 10. That's about all that I can do. This week hurt me so much, not just because my week was bad, but because essentially the people at the very top of the board now, they went opposite on essentially every single game that I got wrong. And so because of that, now there's a 26-point gap. That's definitely painful. My week 11 slate was not much better. I went three and seven, same record. I did pick up 23 points though, so more points than Allen did. I had Alabama at a 10, LSU at a nine as a confidence value pick, Kansas State at a four. My losses were Illinois at an eight, Iowa State at a seven as a confidence value pick, Wake Forest at a six, Texas at a five, Tulane at a three, San Jose State at a two, and Wisconsin at a one. Allen, I'll start on the negative side. San Jose State lost and lost clearly to San Diego State, even though they got up early. I had doubts about this one. I thought San Jose State was the better team, but about halfway through the season, San Diego State made a switch at quarterback. They were pretty good offensively. They're definitely good enough defensively. It was a clear winner on that side. Props to the people who were able to pick San Diego State because there weren't a ton of them, but got some good value there. In terms of my value picks, 
I took LSU at a nine. It was uncomfortable. It was a close game. But we talked about the defensive playmakers that LSU had. They made the difference in this one in a low-scoring, ugly game with Arkansas. I was fortunate to put them at a nine. You could argue that maybe it wasn't valued at the right spot putting it that high, but LSU at one point was up 10 points in this game, and without K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas was really limited, and it wasn't until they made a switch at quarterback that uh, Arkansas actually found success passing the football. So LSU was a good winner for me there. Glad I put the value there. And in terms of my other value pick, taking Iowa State at a 7. Look, I told people I was taking a high-risk, high-reward type play. I lost on it. But when you look back statistically at this game, the Cyclones outgained the Cowboys by nearly 100 yards. They had five hideous turnovers. Three of them happened in plus territory, taking points off the board. Another one happened right around midfield. And Allen, it just set up easily for Oklahoma State to be able to come away with a win. Even when we saw Spencer Sanders come in late, I wasn't expecting him to play at all. He didn't play for much of the game, but he did come in and actually looked pretty good. It was just enough to help them get over the top. But if it weren't for all these turnovers, I feel very confident that Iowa State was going to be the winning team in this game. I mean, Deckers is just such trash, bro. Right now, he was terrible. And I mean, I would have never thought that Spencer Sanders would have come in and just randomly took over the game and was like, I'm putting this team on the back and I'm carrying them forward. So didn't see that one coming. I had it much lower than you. I think I had it at a one, but that was a game that I was a bit unsure of. But again, Oklahoma State, they either find a way to win or they find a way to get blown out. And it's the weirdest thing, but kudos to them. Yeah, definitely give them some props for getting the win, but they were bad offensively. I I just feel like I had a lot of it identified right. And if I were to pick this set of games again, I would put Iowa State in a similar spot, just how that game played out, because I thought they blew their opportunities to score points, whereas Oklahoma State made sure they got theirs, but it was just barely enough as is. So I don't know. I still don't feel bad about the pick, and I would very much be happy to see this matchup once again in a confidence pick as these teams are currently constructed, because I think Iowa State is the better team at this moment, even with the loss. Well, you can pretty much say that about almost every loss that Iowa State has. Mm-hmm. I think that's their problem, is they just are so inefficient on offense. Their defense is so good. And it's just ruined by this offense that can't do anything well. Well, they have helped ruin my picks as well on the ESPN confidence pick. I'm I'm now 66 and 43 overall. I have 383 points sitting at 82.2 in the percentile ranking. I'm in a tie for 18th and 33 points off the lead. So I'm not in a good spot. I'm much where Allen is, even further back than he is. And I'm going to have to do a lot of work to be respectable on the season. But uh, I think that can happen as we head down the final stretch. Allen, our leader on the confidence pick'em is Tim. He is 70 and 39 on the season, has 416 points, sitting in the 99th percentile and has a one point lead at the top he's been in first place before he's back there again so it's been an impressive run by Tim and we'll see if he can hold off the rest of the pack as we go into the final few weeks of the season yeah absolutely I mean he had a really great week the past couple of weeks and are deserving going that high up in the percentiles it's just a remarkable feat 
Now, as we turn our page to week 12, we have a few things that we need to address here on the show. That is because we have some interesting things on the pick'em board. You know, as you've gone with us through each week of the season, we typically have the exact same set of picks in our ATS pick'em over on CBS Sports, as we do with the confidence pick'em that ESPN gives us each and every week. However, we do have some changes this week. It's because we have a second week in which ESPN has given us an FCS matchup. That one is Montana State, Montana. And we have a tiebreaker that's not in the pick'em slate. That's Maryland, Ohio State. So we have included Maryland, Ohio State over in the ATS pick'em on CBS Sports. We are excluding Montana State, Montana, because we can't pick that one against the spread on CBS Sports. That would just be a straight-up pick, and that defeats the purpose. So we did that. And then, Alan, of course, we have to address what is a very sad situation with Virginia and Coastal Carolina. For anybody who hasn't heard, who doesn't follow college football super closely, there was a shooting on Virginia's campus this past week uh, as the weekend came to a close Sunday night. And an ex-Virginia football player targeted a group coming back from a field trip late Sunday night, and uh, he actually killed three current Virginia football players Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry. Alan, I don't really know how to address this kind of thing. It kind of hits us directly here with the show because Virginia, Coastal Carolina is in our pick'em, but a very, very sad situation, of course, for the families, this football team, the players individually. There was another player, Mike Collins, who was shot and was in critical condition. I've heard just earlier today he is off a ventilator and is quote-unquote doing well. So that's a little bit of positive news. I know there was a fifth victim as well that's not a football player for Virginia, but uh, just an extremely sad situation. And uh, at this point in time, we do still have Virginia Coastal Carolina on our pick'em board. It's included on the ATS pick'em over on CBS Sports and the confidence pick'em over on ESPN. In my mind, I kind of think this game's going to be canceled. But even as of Tuesday afternoon, a little while before this recording, it was announced at a press conference that discussions are still being had about what's to be done with this game. So as of right now, it's still on the books. I don't think it's really going to be here come Saturday, but we'll see. But it's just something remarkable and sad that went on, you know, so close to home being that we are college football fans that we see this stuff go on and we like to rant and rave about situation and games, but then we don't expect to hear about life and death situations like this one at the university of Virginia. Yeah. It's just tremendously sad. And when I first saw that news, I was stunned and just taken aback and, you know, just felt myself praying and asking God for comfort and peace for them. It's just an awful, awful situation all around. And, you know, whatever those players and administration decide to do, then I think pretty much everyone will understand what whatever they decide to do. It's just awful all around. Sure. And, you know, I pray that the Lord gives them comfort and peace in a time that feels like there can be no measure of redemption and hope. Yeah. I mean, something that is going to go on for weeks, months, and years and the recovery process for the teammates, the family members, um, everybody who didn't get to say goodbye, uh, especially for the guys that lost their lives that night. It's just remarkable. It's really, really sad, but a situation we have to address. And, you know, you and I discussed it a little bit before we came on here because we wanted to touch tabs on what we were going to cover tonight. I told you, man, I, I don't think there's anybody making the decision on this game being played or not other than the remaining players on the Virginia football team. You know, I think it's probably yeah. going to be their decision. I think they're going to either stand up and say, no, we want to play 
for our brothers, or they're going to say, hey, let's just push this thing off. And like you said, I think you can kind of understand either way, but there's just a ton of emotion going on around that Virginia campus, the football team, obviously, and uh, the extended families all the way, you know, outside that university. 100%. Just as sad a situation as you see, and you hate to see that kind of destruction and senseless loss of life and trauma for people there. So God bless those Cavalier folks. Definitely prayers up for the Cavaliers, the team, the families, all that were involved. And uh, we'll certainly be involved, like I said, for years to come, because this is going to be one of those things that lasts with you for a lifetime, unfortunately. But, um, you know, there is something to be said for this team and how it responds and, and what things look like going forward. So hope the good things for the Virginia Cavaliers and that family, because it is going to be a lot of hurt for a long time. Yeah, 100%. All right. I know that's not fun to address and not fun to uh, talk about here on the show, but I feel like it 100% had to be touched on, especially because the game was included in our pick So, Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and turn the page and make sure we can get down to some picks before we get out of here in this episode on our free pick pod available to the masses. Let's jump in, my man. All right. Because I had the slightly better week than Alan did, I'm going to get us started with an ATS lock over on CBS Sports. And Alan, before I get to my pick, I cannot help but say, I think we might be headed into the murky depths of another lock party. We'll see what your response is to this pick. But we got out of the way a lock block last week. I think we might be on the verge of a lock party. We haven't talked about this, but I just have a hunch. Alan, I am visiting the Big 12 where we have a top five TCU team on the road at the Baylor Bears. Now, last week, we talked about it. Kansas State blew out Baylor 31-3. to I didn't even need the points with my lock block because the Wildcats won outright by 28 points. And Alan, I didn't write down many notes for this game because to me, I wrote down an equation. The sum of Max Duggan, Condre Miller, Quentin Johnston, who is back and played last week, and Tay Barber is greater than the sum of the parts of Blake Shapin, Richard Reese, Gavin Holmes, and Monterey Baldwin. This Horned <laughs> Frogs defense played better against Texas, something that I was not expecting. The Bears defense, on the other hand, is just as big a question mark as I thought they were going into last week against Kansas State. So, Alan, I don't see any reason to look at a spread as small as we have on CBS Sports with the Horned Frogs on the road as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't see any way around locking up TCU minus two-and-a-half points. It kind of feels like free points, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know, based off last week, how in the world it's less than a field goal game. Just taking into account that Will Howard came in and carved that Baylor defense up like a Thanksgiving turkey. It makes no sense to me, but Max Duggan has got a lot to play for. I mean, they're literally fighting for their playoff lives, and if they went out, they're in, and deservedly so, in my opinion. This actually isn't one that I was going with. No. But, I mean, here's the deal. (laughs) Like, I'm very, very much with you. I'm not going the other way. I promise you that. (laughs) Well, I knew you weren't going to go the other way. I just, I really felt like if there was ever going to be a lock party, I thought this was going to be one. So, no. So what? I'm wrong. I'll take it. Go ahead and take us to your ATS lock, Alan. All right, man. Well, I'm so sorry to disappoint you. And no doubt I agree with you. 
in a lot of ways. I'm going to the exact opposite end of the spectrum. You took a small spread. I'm going with a big spread. I've got Ohio State covering at Maryland. This is a game that's only in the against the spread picking on CBS Sports. Ohio State is a 27.5 point favorite. So they're nearly a four touchdown favorite. Ohio State has to run up scores on people, much in the same way that Michigan and Tennessee feel like they need to have style points. Maryland is a team that peaked middle of the year. C.J. Stroud bounced back well after a pretty awful game against Northwestern two weeks ago. I think Ohio State really gets back, kind of hitting their stride a little bit more and cover a large spread, but I think they're perfectly capable of beating Maryland by five touchdowns. Yeah, I am leaning that direction as of this moment on CBSSports.com. I do have Ohio State as my pick, minus the 27.5 points. It is a huge spread, but I agree with much of what you're saying. I think Maryland did peak earlier in the season. Uh, They have not performed all that well, I think, as of late. I don't think their defense is going to be able to contain Ohio State's offense. And when you talk about what they have to do on the other side with Talia Tugavaloa and those guys, I just don't know if they can score with Ohio State. So to me, it's just looking at Ohio State's kind of underwhelmed to me a lot this season in terms of getting out and scoring points early and getting on top of teams. But I feel like the opportunity is there in this game. So I think Ohio State wins this game big. It's just to me, is it a question of, is it big enough? Is there a situation where there might be a backdoor cover with Maryland? It's just a lot of points. But I think there's certainly every opportunity that Ohio State, if they're looking to impress the college football playoff committee or just have a big explosive game, I think the opportunity is there. And I think they are certainly capable of covering the 27 and a half points. It's just to me a matter of whether you think there might be a backdoor cover or something like that. Right. And I get that. And there very well could be, but I just don't see at all that this team or any other team that's looking for style points is going to take their foot off the gas and allow some of that to happen. Just look at, Tennessee scoring that last second touchdown against Missouri. You look at USC scoring the last second touchdown against Colorado. These teams are looking for any point margin that they can get. So I imagine they will keep it on the gas. And I think the only other things to mention with Ohio State would be the offensive backfield because we have the Mayan Williams injury that happened this past weekend if I remember correct, was that a, I don't know if that was a season ending injury, but I think it's serious enough that he's done for at least a few weeks, right? I'm seeing that he was carted off last week. Yeah, he he was carted off. So I'm thinking that at the very least, it's end of the ball games or something like that. Yeah. So Mayan Williams out what we would expect for this coming week. Travion Henderson has also been out a lot recently. So I don't know what the health of that backfield looks like. I don't know if Travion Henderson plays this coming week. That'd be something that I'd factor into the equation. I think at least should be mentioned just because both of those players have been so important for this team this year. But otherwise, Ohio State certainly still has all the firepower they need to be able to contend with covering a spread like this. Yes. All right, Alan, you ready to move over to the confidence side? Let's do it. All right. On the confidence side on ESPN, I am going to look at the exact same game I gave you first. 
the TCU Horned Frogs on the road at Baylor. I already gave you the breakdown of why I think TCU's offense is better than Baylor's offense. And when you make the comparison of the most important matchup in this game, right now with how they are playing, I like Sonny Dykes' offense more than Dave Aranda's defense. Now, I think Dave Aranda is an excellent coach, and I think he can go toe-to-toe with any coach in the country with the types of defense that he puts out. But I just don't think he has the Jimmys and Joes that he had a year ago on the defensive side of the ball. So when you have the firepower that TCU does offensively, when you have the coaching ability of Sonny Dykes going up against, I think, a lackluster defense of Dave Aranda's, I think that TCU is going to have a bounce-back game from what they had against Texas. I think they will score points in this one, and it's just a matter of whether Baylor can score with them to have a chance to cover, which would also be a chance to pull the upset. I just don't see it happening because they've lost fairly sizably to some of the better teams they've played this year, and I think TCU might just be the best team they've played this year. So when it comes down to it in a week where we have a whole bunch of field goal type spreads, if you were to look at the current spread, you'd see TCU favored by two and a half points on the road. If you look at where we have the confidence pick them because of Montana, Montana State on the pick them board in the confidence slate, you have to consider that you adjust your standings just a little bit. So I think you could look at the Horned Frogs being picked at a level anywhere from a two to a five in confidence level. And Alan, I'm going to boost that up at quite a bit this week. I'm going to take TCU on my board at either an eight or a nine. I have a lot of confidence in it. I think they're going to get it done. I just don't think that Baylor has enough to be able to pull the upset on their home field enough times out of say 10 for me to have a lot of confidence that TCU is not going to win this game. I don't blame you. I really don't. Again, looking at spread, looking at how, I mean, Texas's defense is pretty good. And I think they've shown that a few times they were able to limit Kansas state, you know, Texas defense was able to limit Alabama and they were able to limit TCU last week, but no one else has really been able to take care of that TCU offense in the way that Texas was. This is a Baylor defense, as you've noted, that's not nearly as good as they have been previously because of that, you got to feel pretty good about this one. So it's probably going to move up my board some. I don't know how far, but definitely moving up some. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about if it's some, we talk about the spread would indicate this thing should be between a two and a five. So we're talking about up into the top half of the board. You know, to me, that sounds pretty good. If somebody's a little bit unsure about this matchup or something like that, I'm saying move it at least into the top half of your board because I think there's a lot of questionable matchups this week. You know, even if you like fairly significantly an edge on one side or the other, I just think that there are a lot of games where it feels to me a lot dicier than this one, even with the spread as small as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Alan, where are you headed on the confidence side for the free pick and pod? So last week, UCLA was the victim of a terrible upset in the fact that Arizona and Jaden Delora came and beat them at home, dropping them to eight and two and out of the playoff picture. This week, it's a huge LA battle with USC versus UCLA two of the most beautiful uniforms in all of sports come together. You've got two really good quarterbacks in Caleb Williams and Dorian Thompson Robinson. Because of that, this is going to be a really fun game 
in my opinion, a great nightcap for Fox. UCLA is a two and a half point home dog against USC. That would put USC between a two and a five on your board. And I'm actually going with the upset. I think UCLA bounces back this week. Zach Chevronet is just an incredible running back. Last week, it took Jane Delora having a near-perfect game to beat them. And I think in many ways, that was probably them overlooking them, looking to this week when they play their arch-rival USC. If you look at these defenses and yards allowed, UCLA's is a bit better against the run, but they're virtually the same. USC's offense is a little bit more explosive, but not by much. Because of that, I think the Bruins are going to bounce back in a big way and eliminate USC from the playoff picture this go-around. It's going to be low, but here's the deal. I'm in a position now that I'm 26 points back that I'm going to just start going for it. So I'm going to start picking some things that are going to swing the other way. And if I get a few of them right, then I'll be right back in it. So I'm just pushing all my chips to the table now with only a couple weeks left. UCLA low, probably at a one or two. How intriguing and daring, Alan. I mean, (laughs) listen, at some point you got to go for it, right? And after last week, I got to go for it. I understand the sentiment. That's where I found myself last week when I picked the Cyclones of Iowa State and picked them at a high value. It did not pay off for me, though I felt like I was on the right side of it. Alan, I have a play on this game as well, but I'm going to reserve it for the bonus pick'em pod because that is where we are headed next. Fair enough? Beautiful. See you on the other side. Alan, any tidbits you want to give away for the good people who are listening to see if we can get some people who want to hear what we're giving away on that bonus pick'em pod over on Patreon? I'm doubling up on an SEC matchup. So this is one that I think is going to be a matchup that's very, very much worth tuning into with a close matchup last week coming into play and my thoughts. All right. And for my set, you already know I'm going to be giving away a pick on USC UCLA, but I'll double down on the Pac-12 after dark. We have two Pac-12 matchups on the Pick'em slate this week. One of them... Utah at Oregon, one of them, USC at UCLA, and I've got a pick on each one, one against the spread, one as a confidence value play. So that is coming up on that bonus pick pod where you can get access to that by joining at the walk-on level or higher on Patreon. And Alan, we have other things coming on Patreon. Coming soon, Alan and I have talked about this briefly. We haven't shared it here on the show yet, but one of the things that Alan and I have done in the last few years in constructing this podcast is we have kept up with a lot of information. You know, sometimes that's injuries, sometimes that is pick'em spreads, sometimes that's any number of things. But one of the things we discussed is holding a little bit of value as one of the Google Sheets that we hold each and every week that we address here on the show. We talk about where these games would be valued if you went according to the spread, and that's because each week I put together a spreadsheet that holds each of the values against the spread, where these teams should be valued in that lineup when you're considering what Vegas thinks. So, Alan, what we're going to do is we're going to start inviting our Patreon supporters 
to have access to that page. They'll be able to view it. They'll be able to make copies of it if they want to and take their own kind of notes. But you'll be able to see what we look at each and every week. Now, each and every week, it's 10 games over on the ESPN Pick'em. So some of you may think, hey, that's a kind of cool idea. Maybe that adds some value. Some others may say, hey, it's only 10 games. I can do that myself. That's fine if you want to put in the work. But I track it all the way up until our recording time each week. I make the adjustments to it. And I make sure we have a live updated list to make sure to get you the most up-to-date information. So if you don't want to be tracking that kind of stuff, it could be a good bonus for you. And we're going to give that away to any Patreon supporter. That means as low as season ticket holders, that's only $1.50 a month. And Alan, the real value is going to come when we hit bowl season because we're only a few weeks away. Because like I said, week to week, it may only be 10 games. But when you're looking at bowl season and it's 40 plus games with all of those spreads, there is definitely some value on being able to look at one spreadsheet with all of that information flowing up and down until we record our podcast. Yeah, I've found the sheet to be tremendously helpful. And you know what? I think it's worthwhile and uh, a great resource for you to have all this information at your fingertips. Love it. Alan, I hope that the people understand that each time we go through this contest and now that we have the Patreon account set up to hold supporters and give extra content, we are going to be looking to give you extra access any which way we can and give you an extra edge. So this is one that we're going to add to the table, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Those of you who are already supporters, you're going to see those invitations go out. But if you would like to hop on and support us, we're going to give you that access probably starting in bowl season as well. So can't wait for that and can't wait to get to the bonus pick and pod episode as we lay out some more picks. Alan, you ready for it? You ready to go? I'm ready to jump into it. Very good. Thank you for your time, sir. Can't wait to see what comes next. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.